and welcome to the Design for Greatness podcast, conversations with Candice to help you elevate your mind, body, and spirit and own your divine greatness. Today, you have episode number five. You can want it, but you can't need it. Do you base your success or failure on the amount and quality of validation you get from others? Have you ever shut yourself down from sharing or putting yourself out there because you're concerned about what other people might think about you if you do? How important is it to you that others approve of you? In this episode, I will take you on a deep dive into these questions. As a recovering people pleaser, I know all too well the hazards of buying into others' opinions about me and my work. The problem is, when we let praise inflate our ego and use the compliments of others to prove we are a good person and doing okay, the natural consequence is that the opposite happens with criticism. Criticism then leads to insecurity where we feel vulnerable, insignificant, and small. Everyone wants to be liked and appreciated. It feels amazing. But if we need external approval and validation to allow us to feel okay about ourselves, it becomes a huge problem. When we use extrinsic factors such as praise, rewards, prizes, titles, others' approval, when we choose to make this external validation mean we are good and valuable, then when we don't receive the external affirmations, we easily fall into the trap of questioning our value. Furthermore, when we only get disapproval and criticism from another, it can devastate our self-esteem and crush our self-belief. As I will endeavor to show you, when it comes to external validation, a desired result, praise, the approval or acceptance of others, you can want it, but you can't need it. The scope of this principle and its applications to our life are vast. Today, I will limit my remarks about how you can want it, but you can't need it, as it applies to the feedback we receive from others. Hopefully, as we unpack this principle, you will see many other ways it applies in your life and in your relationships. There are countless examples in my life where I landed in a sustained state of self-deprecation because of the value I placed on the opinions of others. Whether those critical opinions were verbalized to me directly in conversation, or indirectly through the rumor mill, or whether these critical opinions were my own perceptions based on body language, reading between the lines and impressions, the result was the same. I made the criticism mean the person didn't like me and that I was doing a horrible job. The negative feedback became a huge blow to my self-belief and to my identity. I gave others the power to dictate my value. The crazy thing is, despite the fact that the overwhelming majority of the feedback given to me was extremely positive, the people who were the haters and the feedback that was negative got the most credence in my mind. It makes sense now that I know how the human brain works, and now that I am aware of the vital needs of our spirit, it is understandable why I placed such unwarranted value on the opinions of others but it is my hope that sharing my experiences and some of my knowledge that shifted it all for me will open your eyes to the trap of needing external validation. I hope I can help someone out there overcome the same tendencies that, if we're being honest, 
every human being on this planet struggles with. My wholehearted desire is to empower each and every one of you into healthier habits for your mind, body, and spirit so that you may more fully love God, yourself, and others, and ultimately step into who you really are and step up to your missions. Before I learned about the principle that I could want it, but I couldn't need it, I truly based my success and the value I could offer this world on the response I got from other people about me. I was always a high achiever and for the most part, received very positive feedback consistently. However, my need for outside validation did often leave me feeling a bit insecure. It wasn't a huge problem until not only did I not receive the validation I needed, but when what I did receive was sustained and accumulated disapproval and rejection, it destroyed me. My need for others to build me up and like me allowed their criticisms to wreck me. Let me explain. Have you ever been the new girl? Have you ever experienced a move or a new beginning where you were the outsider in an established community? There is a natural increased vulnerability that occurs when we are starting over or new. We recognize people are sizing us up, making judgments about us, deciding what kind of a person we are and if they want to get to know us better. This creates a stronger than normal desire to be well-liked. A few years ago, this was exactly where I was at in my life. I was the new girl, the outsider, the one people were sizing up. I was asked to be a leader of a group where I definitely shook things up a bit. It was not on purpose. It was just because I had never known what their normal was. I only had my experience to glean from. And although these things were my standbys and super effective in my past, they were not received well. My desire to be liked and approved of, to be seen, appreciated, and to feel like I mattered in this new area. This need for approval and validation made the pushback and criticism given to me sting all the more poignantly. I battled some ugly gut impressions about attitudes I perceived toward me and my opinions. I made the whole situation mean I wasn't good enough and they didn't like me. Reading between the lines of what was said and what I heard through the rumor mill left me questioning my abilities and my value. I gave so much weight to what I believed opinions were about me that I completely disregarded my own opinion of me and the job I was doing. I threw all of the positive feedback from the past right out the window as I focused on the critical negativity I felt. My people-pleasing, approval-seeking, validation-dependent self started crumbling. Despite a dogged determination to do better, to win the haters over, and to make things right, there was no relenting in the disapproval and critical feedback given to me. The negative feedback came at me directly in conversation, indirectly through he said, she said crap, and through my own perceptions of body language, impressions, and inferences. Before long, the accumulation of all these things landed me in a very low place. I found myself shutting down. I wouldn't go out or engage in anything social. And I am an outgoing girl. This was not like me. I became a lesser version of myself as I bought into the opinions of others about my value. I felt stuck in a community that through my lens of insecurity, 
I assumed not only didn't want what I had to offer, but strongly disapproved of my best efforts at serving. The problem was I needed the approval and validation of others in order to feel I was important and valuable as a person. The disapproval, therefore, was devastating, leaving me feeling worthless and better forgotten. Shame and depression followed. Can you see how dangerous it is to need validation from others? I love what Ryan Leak says in his book, Unoffendable. Quote, the return of investment on other people's opinions is not worth the stock you put into them. End quote. The fact is, not everyone is going to like me and not everyone is going to like you. And that is absolutely as it is supposed to be. There is a popular saying in life coaching that goes like this. You could be the juiciest peach in the whole entire world, and there are still going to be some people who just don't like peaches. It says everything about them and nothing about you. When we try to people please in order to gain the approval of others, we disregard who we genuinely are and become some weird tainted version of ourselves that we think others will like. We lose touch of what we want, what we feel, what we like, believing that others' wants, likes, and feelings, their desires are more important or better than ours. The thing is, no one is better than us and no one is worse than us. We are all infinitely worthy. Every single human being is infinitely worthy, whether they are Mother Teresa or a homeless woman on the street. And their opinions of you and I are just that, opinions. They only hold as much weight as we decide to give them. So the question is, how much value do you give to what other people think? Do you let their critique determine the measure of success you feel? Ryan Leake compared other people's opinions to elevators that take us up and down. If we aren't careful, we can spend our lives chasing the approval of others, trying to figure out ways to gain compliments and avoid the things that would make others think negatively about us. This mindset, focused on others' approval, is a dangerous, slippery slope that leads to us believing that we are good only if others say we are. Ryan Leake says, quote, Striving for the approval of other people will cage you into feeling like you need others' permission to be who God has called you to be. We spend way too much time looking for approval of our gifts and talents from people who did not give us the gifts and talents in the first place, end quote. What is your measuring stick of success? Is it the amount of likes you get? The amount of positive or negative feedback on your performance? Do you give others the power to determine how well you are doing? The choice for others to receive what we are teaching or to appreciate what we are putting out there in the world is not up to us. The decision of others to approve or disapprove of what we have to say is completely 100% up to them. There will always be haters and there will always be fans. The question is, will we ride that elevator of others' opinions up and down or will we step off and instead seek God's approval? One question that helps me stay in the sweet spot of alignment with my mission and purpose, where I can want it but I don't need it, is to ask myself the question, am I trying to bless or impress? When I realize it's not about me, I can let go of the people-pleasing 
and get on to the serving and giving and showing up committed and in alignment. Please hear me now. The way others think of us, how they feel about us, and the way they treat us is 100% their business. They are allowed to hate, disrespect, betray, falsely accuse, lie, misunderstand, cheat, misrepresent, and misjudge us. And their thoughts, feelings, and actions don't need to mean anything about us. Isn't that liberating? We just have to stay out of their business and realize their thoughts, feelings, and actions are theirs. It says everything about them and means nothing about us. When we need the approval and validation of others, we are operating from a deep-seated fear that without it, we aren't good enough or lovable. It truly is understandable, especially when we consider the mind and spirit pieces of our human trifecta. Tribal paranoia is wired into the way our human mind works. In the beginning, the only way our human species could survive was if we were part of a tribe. The tribe would protect each other, hunt together, gather with each other, and work together for survival. The love and acceptance of the tribe assured our continued survival. If we were not a contributing member of the pack or well-liked by our group, we would be kicked out and eaten by lions and tigers. If we weren't one of the best of the tribe or better than most of the pack, we would lag behind and get killed by the beasts waiting in the shadows. Therefore, over time, our brains evolved to place a disproportionate value on the opinion of others, making sure they liked us well enough to keep us safe in the tribe became a matter of life or death. Over time, a negative bias evolved where now our brains are really good at bringing to us all the ways in which we don't measure up, every possible reason that others might not like us, any possible place where we are insufficient, lacking, or not as good as others. So be aware when you find yourself comparing, competing, focusing on your own issues, buying into extrinsic measures of value. This is the result of falling for your brain's tribal paranoia tendencies. Awareness is the first step to shutting it down. It's effective to recognize when we are falling for tribal paranoia by watching out for thoughts like, why don't they like me? I wonder what they are thinking about me. I hope they like me. I'm just not as good as they are. I'm not as pretty as she is. He is so much smarter than I am. What can I do to make her like me? He doesn't think I'm doing a good enough job. When we recognize thoughts like this, the comparisonitis, perfectionism, insecurity, and people-pleasing inherent in tribal paranoia, we can then reassure ourselves, there is no tribe and nothing has gone wrong. If people dislike us, don't appreciate our efforts, These things aren't a life-threatening situation. We are safe. And others are 100% allowed to misjudge, to disagree, to undermine and misunderstand, to devalue and criticize. And in fact, their thought about us, their feelings toward us, and how they treat us, it's not even our business. It isn't something we have any control over anyway. The truth is, it's not the job of the tribe or other people to judge or determine our value. It isn't the pack's duty to reassure us of our worth. That is our job. So watch out for the default wiring of tribal paranoia. 
When you notice it, retrain your thinking. As we consider the spirit piece of our human trifecta, it sheds even more light onto why this need for others' approval and validation can feel so desperate and necessary in order for us to be okay. Our spirit, our essential self, has three vital core needs. The first is to feel connected. This means a deep sense that we belong, that we are seen and loved for who we are. The second is the need to contribute. This means a genuine understanding that our efforts are making a difference, that we matter, that we are helping others in meaningful ways. And the third need is to grow, meaning we are continually developing gifts, enhancing knowledge, learning, applying, and becoming. These three needs of our spirit, connection, contribution, and growth, are a subconscious driving force for every human being. These needs must be met or disease and disorder will result. The question is, to whom do we look to ensure these needs are fulfilled? Where do we find proof that we do belong, that our contributions are valuable, and that our growth is acceptable? When we give this job to others, we will find ourselves severely lacking. No one other than God and ourselves can truly, genuinely give us this. Our value is God's business. There is nothing we can do to prove it, diminish it, or change it in any way. Our worth is set, and it's infinite. It is God's business, and if we ask sincerely in faith, He will always reassure us of our infinite worth. He will give us the proof that we are loved and lovable, and that our contributions are important. Our growth is our business, and if we go to him, God will help us grow in amazing ways. I grew up thinking it was my job to fill everyone else's bucket, and it was their job to fill mine. Now, I love filling other people's buckets. Recognizing their greatness and celebrating all the ways others are winning is a huge part of me showing up in alignment with my highest self. But I now know it's not other people's job to fill my bucket. That's my job. It's up to me to acknowledge my own efforts and deem them acceptable or in need of improvement. I can ask God to help me in this, but ultimately it's my job to accept me, to validate me, to like and approve of me. I can want it from others, but I can't need it. It's not their job, it's mine. In my experience where I found myself in a leadership position as the new girl, If I would have given myself the validation I needed by continually appreciating the efforts I was investing, by telling myself I was doing a good job, and by acknowledging there are always ways to grow, and then incorporating new ideas and ways of doing things, I would not have made the negative feedback given to me mean anything more than someone's opinion and an offering of a different option. I could have used the clashing ideas to engender discussions, curiosity, and new possibilities instead of making it mean I was lacking, wrong, and not good enough. If I could have recognized the tribal paranoia creating insecurity, people-pleasing, and an intense focus on my weaknesses, I could have taken a step back and realized I was safe. I was not under any attack or in any danger. Even with misjudgment, criticism, misrepresentation, and misunderstandings, If I would have gone to God and leaned into his reassurance of my service and my value, I would have been able to allow it all without the deep depression and shame. 
We can want the validation and acceptance of others, but we can't need it. So how do we let go of caring so much about what others think about us? How do you fill your own bucket and ditch the validation needing piece? The answer lies in the two great commandments. Let's unpack the first. The first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Now, the amazing thing about the first great commandment is as we wholeheartedly love God, it's impossible not to feel his love reflected back upon us. Jeffrey Holland put it this way, quote, the first great commandment of all eternity is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. But the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, mind, and strength. End quote. God's business is our worth. And he longs to help us understand how powerful his love is for us. How our value is of infinite worth. But do you really believe this? Do you really believe that your value is infinite, immeasurable, so vast that it's uncomprehensible? Do you really believe God's love for you is intricately personal, that he truly, deeply loves you? I've found myself questioning if God, an infinite being that is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, that created worlds on end across the immense expanse of the cosmos. Could he really love me and care about my problems? My issues must seem puny relative to managing worlds and taking care of all the moving parts of the vast universe. I've spent many nights contemplating this conundrum. How could God, who is so infinite, know and care intimately about me, and does he? Friends, I testify he does. We just have to ask to open the door and he will show us. I've needed lots of reminders of this in my life and patiently, God always reassures me of his love. One of my favorite things to do is at the end of the day, reflect and jot down all the tender mercies or God winks that occurred throughout my day. This keeps me seeing his hand in my life and remembering I am seen. I matter to him and I am loved. In order to not need the approval and validation from others, 10x the love you feel for and from God. Remember who you are and whose you are. It's a process and it's okay if we need reassurance all along the way. If I would have remembered and applied my knowledge of God's love and approval of me during the times of criticism from others, If I would have asked for his reassurance when I was feeling insecure and misjudged, it truly would have made all the difference. This is what I strive to do now, and it allows me to have a much thicker skin. Staying 100% focused on loving Christ has been a game changer for me in the people-pleasing department. Truly, believing in myself as a divine daughter of God, designed for greatness, with infinite worth, this is letting me drop the insecurity and land in confidence. Recognizing and allowing myself to feel his powerful love for me has been the biggest factor helping me to genuinely let go of the needing and simply landing in the wanting. I challenge you to go to God 
especially in times where you aren't getting the validation you truly, maybe even desperately desire. Ask him to remind you of who you really are and to help you feel his tender and intimate love for you. The second great commandment is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That caveat at the end, to love our neighbors as ourself, the as thyself part is paramount to the meaning. This indicates that we first love ourselves, and then in the way that we love ourselves, that is how we are to love others. Have you ever noticed the more you love yourself and treat yourself well, the easier it is to love others and treat them well? Have you ever understood the commandment this way? We are commanded to love ourselves and that loving of ourselves has to come first in order to truly genuinely land in wholehearted love for others that isn't conditional on how they treat us or dependent on their approval of us. It's not prideful or self-indulgent to love and believe in ourselves. It's not selfish or wrong to honor our wants, needs, and desires, to wholeheartedly love ourself. No. In fact, we are commanded to. And the amount of love we give ourselves is directly proportional to the amount of love we are capable of giving others. Alex L. put it this way. How you show up for yourself will speak volumes when it's time to show up for others. You cannot fill the cup of your neighbor or loved ones when you're depleted. Take care of you, take care of them in that order. Listen, loving yourself is your job and you are the only one who can love yourself completely with all the good and the bad, the mess and the awesome, the fun and the misery. You get to decide to always have your own back because you truly are the only one who really can. I used to think Corey, my husband, was supposed to make me feel sexy and beautiful. But the truth is, he can't make me feel anything. It's my thoughts that create my feelings. The poor guy was damned if he did and damned if he didn't. When he didn't compliment me, I would make that mean he wasn't attracted to me anymore. I would get after him to compliment me. I would tell him, just tell me you think I look good if you still do. (laughs) Then, when he actually did give me a genuine compliment, I didn't believe it. And I made his compliment mean he just wanted something or was just trying to placate me. Do you see it? I can want the compliment, but I can't need it in order to feel sexy. I choose to feel beautiful because of how I think about myself. And that is completely up to me, not Corey. If we are to let go of needing others' validation, we must work to develop a beautiful relationship with ourself. This is your business. You are the one you will spend every moment of every day with. Choose love. As Byron Katie says, you don't have to like me. That's my job. My job is taking credit for every one of my thoughts, feelings, and actions. Loving myself means owning my truth, having my own back, being on my own side. It means being the juiciest peach I can possibly be. It means being the candaciest Candace I can be. As we fly our freak flag the people who are truly our people will be able to find us. You are not for everyone, and that is exactly as it is supposed to be. My opinion of myself is absolutely 100% my business, and I've decided I love me. I challenge you to make this courageous decision for yourself. What's your opinion of you? 
Decide right now to say to yourself, I love me. I love who I am and who I am becoming. I've heard it said, loving yourself isn't vanity, it's sanity. I wholeheartedly agree. Developing a better loving relationship with ourself is imperative, especially if we are invested in not needing others to love us in order to prove we are okay. I've worked with hundreds of clients and I want to give you three hacks to incorporate into your life that I have seen work over and over again to develop this improved love you feel for yourself. I hope you will make these non-negotiables for your life so that you will truly land in a place where you do love yourself like crazy. The first is zero tolerance for any negative self-talk. Think about what you are thinking about. Allow the craptastic thoughts to float on by and then focus on the good. That which you focus on expands. It's a divine law. Focus on the bad and the bad is all you will see. But focus on the good about yourself and the good gets better. So decide now to eliminate every mean, derogatory, diminishing thought about yourself. Satan is the source of those thoughts anyway. Kick him to the curb. Own your headspace and be intentional about zero tolerance for craptastic thinking. The second hack, commit to mirror talk. Mirror talk is so powerful because it changes the internal dialogue in your head. Listen, how many times do you see yourself in a screen, in the window, in a mirror, or in a picture? How many times do you see yourself a day? Tons, right? Use every time you see yourself to trigger your inner voice to sound like a supportive, empowering coach instead of a mean, nitpicky critic. You won't talk to anyone else more than you talk to yourself in your own head. Use mirror talk to build that relationship that you have with you. Speak to yourself in the mirror like you would talk to your best friend. Compliment, encourage, uplift, cheer on, celebrate wins, be grateful for you. If you find yourself pining away for someone in your life to tell you something or to compliment you in a specific way, decide right now to do that for yourself. Look yourself in the eyeballs and tell yourself the loving statement you wish another would tell you. Try it. It works. Mirror talk is key to the second great commandment of loving others as yourself. Third hack, think empowering thoughts on purpose. Use I am statements to help create the traits in yourself you desire to become. Use empowering thoughts like everything is figureoutable and nothing but good will come from everything I experience. Create your own list of powerful thoughts and reprogram your mind to feed you these thoughts of your own intentional choosing. Your brain will always find proof for whatever you decide to think. It's part of that divine truth that that which you focus on expands. So use this power to your advantage. It's your choice. When we receive the validation and approval that truly our spirits do need, when we get it from God and from ourselves, we no longer have to get it from others. We can want it, but we don't need it. Oh, how liberating and good this feels. The experience which drove this principle home for me was my relationship with my oldest daughter. After my presidency experience, I became poignantly aware that my need for others to like me was unhealthy, but I didn't know what to do about it. 
Gratitude was the key that got me out of that despairing place of depression. And gratitude was what brought me the miracle of life coaching. Life coaching, and specifically Jody Moore, introduced me to this principle that I could want it, but I couldn't need it. My relationship with my high schooler gave me ample opportunity to put this principle into action. My poor daughter. She had been the recipient of all my neediness in the past. Before finding life coaching and learning how to genuinely love and approve of myself, I gave her the job of dictating the value of my mothering abilities. I determined whether I was a good or bad mother by how she treated me, by the quality, in my eyes, of her actions and choices, and on how close of a relationship we had. Yikes, right? I gave my 15-year-old daughter at the time, who was in the dregs of figuring her own self out, I gave her the power over my value as a mother. As you can imagine, I did not fare well. What teenager approves of and likes their mom? Okay, I'm sure many do, but it's normal for teenagers to dislike their parents, and it doesn't mean their parents are not doing a good job. What typical high schooler completely confides in their mom and wants to hang out with her on the weekends? Possibly a few, but the vast majority care mostly about friends, freedom, and fun. Are there any teenagers out there who haven't made bad choices and done things they aren't proud of? Maybe some, but making mistakes during this pivotal time of life is truly what molds character and builds testimonies. Even the very best parents in history had children who rebelled, disobeyed, went down paths the parents would not have intended for them. When I began to understand that her thoughts, feelings, and actions are hers and don't mean anything about me, I was finally able to step back and completely allow her to live the journey which belonged to her all along. I could want a deep connection with her, but I could not need it. The more I chased after her, in the needy energy of desperately hoping she would confide in me, accept my love, and tell me I was doing a good job. The more I chased, the more she rejected me and ran the other way. The more I pushed myself and what I thought was best onto her, the harder she pulled away. Before I understood that her life is not a reflection of me, I honestly thought it was my job to save her to fix things for her, to ensure she was happy and make sure she didn't do anything wrong. I was living totally outside of my business. No wonder I felt so defeated. I was trying to control things completely out of my control. Of course I want her to love me and to realize all I've ever wanted for her is to be ridiculously happy, successful, and full of joy. But I can't need her approval. I can't need her to like me. I can't need her to agree or to approve of my parenting. The needing it is dangerous because when it isn't freely given, it can crush self-belief and destroy confidence. Also, just as I can't make her shortcomings mean anything about me, I can't take credit for her accomplishments, achievements, and success either. It says everything about her and nothing about me. 
I show up 100% committed to the mom I am striving to be. I can offer support, wisdom, experience, advice, unconditional love. I can tarry with her when she is struggling and celebrate with her when she is winning, but I can't need her to accept or appreciate any of it. That is her business. As I began making mirror talk, zero tolerance for negative self-talk and thinking empowering thoughts into life habits, as I began turning to God and myself to purposefully fulfill the need of validation and approval, I began to stop requiring it from my children and my husband, from my family and my friends and my coworkers or anyone else. Landing in loving grace for myself, where I know I am awesome and I know I am also a mess and I love me anyway. Where I completely own and accept the fact that I am a work in progress. Where I cheer myself on and become my own best friend. This is that magical place where I can want it, but I don't need it. Jared Halverson does a phenomenal podcast called Unshaken. He often talks about proving contraries as a powerful life hack. The contraries we are proving today, if you envision them as a teeter-totter, on the one end is narcissism, where we are completely self-centered, can't do anything wrong, and don't give a rat's A about what anyone else thinks. On the other side of the seesaw is people-pleasing, where we are totally insecure, can't do anything right unless someone validates and approves of us, and constantly perseverate about what other people are thinking about us. Now the magical middle, the fulcrum of the seesaw, is where Jared Halverson calls the Goldilocks zone. This is where it isn't too hot and it isn't too cold. This is where we prove the contraries, and this is exactly where we land when we want it, but don't need it. The number one thing I strive to teach my clients is how to truly, genuinely love themselves. One of my clients this past week shared with me some wins. She raises puppies and often gets visits from strangers looking to buy one. On one of these visits, a woman she had never met before said, would it offend you if I told you that you are too skinny? My client has been actively losing weight through my body love program and been incredibly successful. Her body is something she has learned to love and accept wholeheartedly. It surprised her how completely unaffected she was by this woman's comment. My client has a long history of people pleasing and in the past, she would have let this little comment get under her skin and create all sorts of insecurity over her body and the size that she is now and if she is acceptable and blah, blah, blah. Instead, she didn't give this comment any weight or attention. It was simply one person's opinion And this woman was 100% allowed to think whatever she wants. My client knew the absolute truth of the matter. She loves her body and has never treated her body or herself better. She didn't need this woman's approval because she approved of herself and she knew God approved of her. And it was so liberating. There is so much more I want to say about this topic of you can want it, but you can't need it. I've only scratched the surface. 
I know I throw a lot at you in these podcasts and I don't mean to overwhelm you. I just want to give you everything because I know how life-changing and transformative it all is. I love you for listening. If you want more help with this, schedule a coaching call with me or join one of my groups. The last thing I want to share with you about you can want it, but you can't need it is this. To see what this actually looks like in real life, look to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the best example we can follow, and he truly embodies this principle. The judgments of others never influenced the way he felt about himself. People mocked him, spit upon him, spread rumors and all sorts of lies about him. His best friends betrayed him. Ultimately, he was crucified, and never once did he make any of it mean anything about him. Of course, he wanted others to follow him and approve of him. He invited. He offered. He shared experiences and parables. Christ performed miracles. He served. He taught. And most of all, he loved without condition. But he never needed it in return. Even during his hardest times, in the Garden of Gethsemane and on Calvary, he never once lost sight of who he really was, the literal Son of God. He knew the thoughts, feelings, and actions that others said had everything to do about them and nothing to do about him. As he hung on the cross, he even said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When he was mistreated, maligned, falsely accused. He was able to stay in a state of forgiveness, compassion, and love because although he wanted it, he didn't need the acceptance, approval, or love from others. He got it from God and from himself. Oh, what a beautiful example for us to follow. May we always strive to remember who we really are beloved daughters and sons of heavenly parents with a divine nature and an eternal destiny. May we continually return to our Savior and our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother for reassurance of our true worth and then believe in the assurances we receive. I challenge you to live by some non-negotiables. My recommendations that are proven are zero tolerance for any negative self-talk, commitment to relentless mirror talk, and determination to think empowering thoughts on purpose. Remember, it's up to you to fill your own bucket. The final question I challenge you to ponder and honestly answer is this. What do you need in order to feel good about you? Take a look at your past and what motivates you. Are you addicted to the drug of approval? Does criticism rock you? The question again, what do you need to feel good about you? This is a decision you can intentionally make and deciding that you can want it, but you don't need it. It will have a powerful stabilizing impact on your self-belief, confidence, and emotional health. So when it comes to your kids, spouse, parents, siblings, friends, acquaintances, strangers, neighbors, boyfriend, coworkers, clients, customers, you can want external validation and approval, but you can't need it. And you won't need it as long as you genuinely believe and always remember, despite any other opinions, that you are designed for greatness. 
Hey, if you enjoy this podcast and want more, go grab my free tutorial, Three Brain Traps That Will Keep You Stuck. If you are to truly land in a place where you can want it but not need it, it is critical you become the boss of your brain and firmly align your thoughts with light and truth. I can't wait to get you started. Click on the link in the show notes or go to my website, candasnoss.com to get it. And remember, you are designed for greatness.